and welcome to the Fleet Geeks podcast. We're here to help develop fleet and transport professionals. Do you want to progress and develop your skills and knowledge? We promise to bring lively conversation and debate around interesting issues and keep you bang up to date with changes in our awesome industry. The Fleet Geeks are a community of professionals and if you enjoy the podcast, why not join the discussion for free in the Fleet Geek community over on Facebook. I'm joined today uh, by Chris Powell and Sarah Jennings of Waitman Solicitors. Uh, we're based in Birmingham on Colmore Row and we've got an amazing outlook of the Birmingham skyline. It looks absolutely incredible. So uh, it's absolutely the number one place for me to have ever recorded a podcast. So uh, <laughs> thank you very much for inviting me, guys. Really appreciate it. Um, what I'll do first is if you guys could just introduce yourselves, please, if that's okay. So Sarah, we'll go with you first. Um, would you mind just introducing yourself for the listeners, please? Yeah, no problem. Hi, I'm Sarah. I'm a solicitor in the transport regulatory team here at Waitmans. Um, so our team um, consists of multiple people across multiple areas. Um, Chris and I predominantly work on transport, but we also do a lot of other things here at Waitman's in our regulatory team, such as health and safety, environmental, motor defence, inquest work as well. So we're kind of your one-stop shop for any help that you need with regards to anything um, for your operator's licence. Awesome. Thanks, Sarah. And uh, tell me a bit about your background. What what did you do before you came to Waitman's? So I've been at Waitman's for a few years now. Um, My background was in corporate to start with. Um, I qualified there and then I moved over to the regulatory team um, just after that. Um, So, you know, I've got a good background to help with um, any kind of advice regarding the structure of the business, directors, who's responsible for what. And that really assists with the operator's license and, and the reporting to the traffic commissioner as well. Awesome. Fantastic. Thank you, Sarah. Uh, Mr. Powell, over to you. Yeah, well, thanks very much for having me back on the podcast, Pete. And uh, great that we could uh, we could do it here at our office because I know we had a few signal problems last time. It seems to happen with any IT I tend to touch. Um, <laughs> yeah, so as Sarah said, I, 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 like Sarah, do transport regulatory law, so operator licensing, things like that. Anything to do with the Office of the Traffic Commissioner or DVSA. Uh, and uh, we're, we're part of the transport reg team uh, and a lot of lot of what we do is both on the regulatory defense side of things but also on the kind of business growth risk management side a kind of I suppose quite similar to flagship as far as the training and the um, and, and the risk management goes awesome Chris and and just for the, for the listeners if it's the first time they've heard you Chris tell, tell us a bit about your background and how you found yourself coming to the transport regulatory side yeah so so I suppose probably in common with most transport regulatory lawyers I, di- I didn't uh, start as a small child thinking that's what I'm gonna <laughs> aspire to be when I grow up um, but I, I sort of fell into it I, I started off my first job in law was in criminal defense and so I used to spend a lot of time bouncing around police stations at one in the morning and then after about six seconds I decided that wasn't the best career route for me. So after trying all sorts of things at various times including uh, private family law, court of protection work and and the like, I I ended up um, by accident uh, in transport regulatory law and I've I've specialised in this area since I've qualified as a solicitor so it's my entire career Uh, and I love it. I find if I'm honest it's one of the most fascinating areas of law it's the clients are great um, the companies I work with are great uh, and I've just I feel like I've landed on my feet fantastic it's it's amazing to actually have two two people who 
are so passionate about mm. the industry as well and uh, that you guys are happy to take some time out and speak to me on the podcast as well of so course. as as you guys know um, we have a range of listeners and it's it's very hard with a podcast to actually fully understand exactly who your listenership is uh, but largely speaking based on the comments the feedback and those kinds of things and the way that I've recorded the podcast in the past is it's very much for transport and fleet managers and um, I'm sure that they will be eager to hear more about the type of work you do so this forms part of a series of three podcasts that we're going to be recording the initial one uh, this we're going to look into some of the some of the work you guys do and the way you help support uh, uh, businesses and organizations to ensure that they're safe on the roads and then we're going to have a look at last year and look a look backwards at um, some of the things that have happened and the learnings to take away from 2023 and then we're going to do a second podcast about or the third podcast will be about the things that are coming forward yeah. um, and, and what 2024 may have in store so a really exciting suite of, of uh, podcasts a nice selection for people so if you're listening to this on the first week it's released stay tuned because in a couple of weeks there's uh, there's more podcasts coming which is absolutely fantastic so to kick things off Waitman support clients with a range of stuff. So we were talking about the five cat clear categories. One's growth, the other is risk management, regulatory defense, training, and tech solutions. So um, let's kick it off with the growth side. Um, Sarah, Chris, I'm not sure which one of you would prefer to take field this one. Um, I'm, I'm seeing a point at Chris. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's talk about growth to start with. So um, tell me a bit about how you've helped a a client or or how you help uh, transport operators with growth yeah of course so so I think the misconception that there's often out there is that a transport regulatory lawyer is only somebody you ever talk to when something's gone horribly wrong and you've got a hearing <laughs> coming up and everyone's running around like a headless chicken and 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 obviously we we do regulatory defense and it's one of the things we do but actually growth is uh, and, and making sure your operator's license supports your business, supports your business ambitions and the growth of your business rather than holding it back because um, that's, that's, a, that's a huge part of what we do uh, and a lot of operators, transport managers look at the office of the traffic commissioner as the regulator, um, as you know, the, the, scary, the scary creature with teeth when in reality they exist to facilitate the commercial ambitions of the transport industry. Yes. The economy is built on the back of the, of, of, of the transport sector. Mm. And, and so a good relationship with the regulator and getting proper advice and support around licensing at various points is going to be the route towards your business growth. So uh, to take as an example, um, a lot of the clients we work with are quite large corporate clients with lots of um, uh, subsidiaries within a group. Often each of those subsidiaries will have varying operating centres and operators licences and so you can have quite a complex structure and then when there's a reorganisation or a restructuring or, or something like that it can actually be quite challenging from a licensing perspective to get a group of seven companies with whole bunch of different licenses with different authorities with different staff with different driver bases with different payrolls and and knocking that into a shape where you end up with totally different entities holding the license maybe to facilitate streamlining or, or tax reasons or to improve um, the transport uh, oversight or whatever it is um, um, and we find that getting that support at an early stage right at the origins of its thinking about the licensing position getting some support and advice around that 
before you're in a position as I've been in the past this in fact this this year where where we, we get instructed at the point that an application gets called to a preliminary hearing or a public inquiry because we're too far down the road of a restructuring. There's been problems built, you know, baked in at, at an early stage that were missed. And then the Traffic Commission has got concerns over financial standing, got concerns over which entity should hold the license, got concerns over where the payroll sits within the subsidiary groups. Uh, and so it, it's, it's around that that we do a lot of work. So that's the growth part of it. And, it's, and as I say, it's, it's something that I think is often overlooked. Yeah, fantastic. It's, that's actually really insightful, um, thinking about how larger organisations, corporates, will structure themselves and they'll adjust those structures. Often, as you say, I'm sure from business purposes, with the, the O-licence as an afterthought, which I'm sure is probably rather distasteful for, to the yeah. Traffic Commissioner, um, and certainly a warning sign. And one of the things that I've come across that I thought I might ask whilst we have the opportunity to talk about, to talk about growth, is that at the other end of the scale with smaller operators and particularly some of the external transport managers that may be listening and those kinds of things, there, is there a ratio you see of when operators are starting to grow their operator's license? So for example, they start off with five and then they move to 10 and then they move to 20. What, what I tend to see is that at some point there's a query there because the expectation of the acceptance from the traffic commissioner around the size or the how rapid that growth may be. Um, do you have any sort of thoughts about how you see that expansion taking place and the expectations around that growth? Yeah, I, I mean, that's a really good point, Pete. And I see just, just as you do, we see that the whole time because a business with five trucks is very different to a business with 20 trucks and the ability to manage that. Um, we, we act for clients of all sizes and I've, I've, I've acted for clients who started off as owner drivers mm. and are now running fleets of 100 plus vehicles and the skills that that requires and the way you manage that is radically different. And unfortunately, you often do see growing quickly something you know which is great business growth is excellent but you you can out end up having your business outpacing your ability to regulate yourself and to and to stay compliant i mean would, would you agree Sarah? yeah definitely and you and we see you know often particularly with um you know getting an external transport manager or something like that that's fantastic and then there's that consideration on whether that external transport manager is doing other things as well and they may not have enough time to commit to this ever-growing business which is brilliant for the business but that consideration needs to be taken so whether it can all be managed effectively okay cool and in your experience is there is there a trigger point for that growth which normally might require a, uh, a, a sort of further look from the traffic commissioner so for example if an operator has five vehicles and then they went to 50 would that potent would it be that type of growth because generally speaking you know, and that's rare that that happens, um, certainly at that pace. Um, but I often see, uh, you know, I'll often get asked, I think the question I often get asked is, right, we've got, we've got an approval for 10 vehicles, we've got a clean operator's license, we're green OCRS, could we go to, we've got financial standing for 35, 40 vehicles. Mm. Will that be accepted if I jump from 10 to 35, 40 vehicles? I, I guess my question is, in your experience, do you think that would go straight through or do you think they'd probably want to ask some questions? I think that's a really good point. I, I think the, the way I look at that is the Traffic Commission is 
um, a sense check, a gate. You know, their their function is as a gatekeeper. If we go to them and say we want to want to increase the fleet, they're going to look at it and think, oh, it's it's a fairly standard increase. We'll we'll rubber stamp that. If, however, you're going and you're saying, actually, I'm a five vehicle operator and I want you to allow me to operate 50 vehicles overnight, then understandably they're going to say, oh, hang on, this is a substantially different operation here, and uh, and and I, this needs extra scrutiny and it's exactly as you say Pete is in those circumstances where the caseworker would say well hang on and the traffic manager would say hang on this is substantially different you now have a higher burden of proof to satisfy me that you know what you're doing here that yeah. you uh, you're going to be able to manage it and so that's when you start getting into the uh, the, the you know the backwards and forwards with the regulator where they're saying well you know you, you, this burden of proof is on you to satisfy us so what is your transport manager's gonna, arrangements going to look like you know how are you going to what software are you going to be using what, yeah. what how are you going to be maintaining these so yeah exactly as you say it's it's a really valid point yeah That's and it's considering that 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 adi additional investment in the systems and the processes isn't it because it's not just whether your transport manager can handle it it's whether the business can handle itself um and and whether you've got those appropriate systems in place so yeah, yeah. absolutely fantastic really helpful thank you so that's the first area around growth the second one is risk management so um sarah over to you for tell us a bit more about how uh, how you support operators with their risk management yeah thank you so like chris has said we act for a range of operators um some really large corporates some much smaller companies um and really that makes no difference to us when it comes to things like um sort of a, a sort of gap analysis um that kind of health check and just and often we'll find that um, companies will come to us because they have a specific issue that they want to look into more and that might be because they've been running the same process for years and years and years and they think it's going okay but actually is it okay in the eyes of the traffic commissioner and is it still following following the licensing regime and, and does it need to be tweaked or changed and that's where we'll come in we'll take a look at what they're doing we'll take a look at the processes and we'll raise concerns if we have any or we'll more likely than not offer some strategic options so one client's come to us at the moment with with one specific thing that they'd like us to look into for their business so we'll, we'll, we'll have a wide-ranging look um, but then we'll drill down to that specific issue, provide them with some strategic actions to, to kind of right those concerns um, and make sure that they're in a good place moving forward. So that's how we can help with those kind of things. And I think as well, we offer um, assistance with the um, drafting of documentation or responses to the traffic commissioner before things get too bad so you know things like bridge strikes any driver offenses health and safety um, incidents or convictions um, environmental action you know that happens to every business but it's just ensuring that the traffic commission is made aware of the things they need to be made aware of um, in in good time before it ends up at something like a public inquiry and then you know it, you, you're all sort of in a panic Hello, it's Sharni from Flagship Partners. We are really proud to sponsor the Fleet Geeks podcast. If you need expert advice or training for your fleet business, make Flagship Partners your first choice. We are really excited to announce the launch of our Transport Manager Academy with expert development for fleet leaders, we offer fully accredited initial transport manager CPC training, CPC refresher and operator license awareness training, as well as mentoring, support and professional development beyond the qualification. Our vision is to develop elite fleet professionals. Yeah, I, I, just to add to that, I think that's, that's, that's a really good way of putting it. Um, we, we would always 
and we always do recommend to operators that uh, things like independent compliance audits um, from uh, transport consultancies are uh, you know, absolutely um, the bedrock of, of ongoing compliance. Um, and so things like um, uh, particularly DVSA uh, uh, you know, accredited auditors, um, having that kind of ongoing uh, level of support and uh, kind of um, a backstop there. We, we always say there's a there's a there's a great role there for transport consultants to to provide that. Um, whereas we focus our efforts more on, as exactly as Sarah said, the um, the specific. Actually, we're a bit concerned about this area. Can you drill into it? That sort of thing. Mm. Yeah, that, that that makes total sense. And I think uh, I, I would echo I'd echo your comments there. In that, I think. When something specific occurs, it's important to manage that early yeah. um, and to get in and, and help support that investigation process and make sure the communication is effective and get a hold of that because quite rapidly that communication side of stuff can uh, can become a challenge. Um, and uh, like you say, you know, we're really proud to be part of uh, flagship. We're part of the uh, DVSA approved audit providers for the earned recognition scheme, which is a fantastic scheme. Um, but additionally, for those operators who who aren't necessarily on the scheme, it guarantees that standard of audit to make yeah. sure the audit is appropriate to um, really look at the overall way that the operator is managing the risk. Fantastic, thank you. So um, the third one. Is sort of I would say your bread and butter is that the case with regulatory <laughs> defence is that your is that the day to day stuff and uh, who's taking that one? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, we we do a lot of it. We do a lot of regulatory defence work. So that's that's public inquiry hearings, representing operators at preliminary hearings. Uh, both Sarah and I are, are public inquiry advocates, um, so we deal with the cases from cradle to grave. Um, we also obviously support when DVSA are. Um, conducting investigations or interviews under caution or particularly these days the desk-based assessments that seem to be flying around an awful lot at the moment and even <laughs> even uh, operators who have excellent compliance histories are finding themselves with desk-based assessments because they can be they can be sent out by DVSA at the click of a button um, and uh, then it's 14 days of getting it all together and getting getting it back so we do a lot of advice and support around that area driver conduct hearings um, uh, this is this is an, an area where we're often instructed by companies who've had uh, driver issues where the driver's been retained despite perhaps a, a disciplinary issue following a, an incident on the road. But then that driver's been called to a, a driver conduct hearing after the matter's been reported to the traffic commission. And so often there's, an, there's, there's a situation there that uh, requires a bit of support and careful management. Um, so we do a lot of work in that that sort of area. So but big picture um if i if we can get our uh, you know our direction of travel with our clients is to do more and more to mean that we're not having to help them at the public inquiry stage because we're supporting them at an earlier stage that means that we never get there yeah. you know risk management support um things like the uh, uh the, you know compliance health checks things like training and stuff that we can come on to are our aspiration is to do fewer and fewer regulatory hearings because we're we're assisting our clients never to get there in the first place. Now, if I'm perfectly honest, I don't think we'll ever get to that point, <laughs> um, but it's an aspiration. 
absolutely. I think um, so. I think that's really really interesting. To be fair, and one of the, one of the questions I had when you were talking there. So, uh, just for the benefits of the listeners, so some some of the listeners will be quite new to the process, and they'll be tr- studying for their transport manager. There's a range in which the DVSA and the traffic commissioner may get in touch with an operator. So the first one is the desk based assessment, which is a new introduction. I think it originated around COVID times when um, uh, the examiners were struggling to get out and see people in in person. But what's happened is the DVSA have realised they're super efficient uh, <laughs> ways of uh, uh, ways of operating and checking in on operators. So a desk based assessment. If you go online, you'll be able to find a, a version of that, and you can see that it's actually quite a robust. Uh, document that needs quite a lot of filling in and and the challenge uh, as uh, uh, as Chris and Sarah quite rightly say is that there's lots of lots of uh, banana skins there uh, <laughs> where you could potentially mm. get some get some trouble in the way that you uh, the, that you respond to them so that, that's the first one and then the in-person visits from the DVSA so a traffic examiner visit or a maintenance investigation visit so uh, that that could be looking at the vehicle maintenance or it could be looking at the traffic side so they tend to be the way that the DVSA VSA would um, sort of interact with the operator so from a risk management point of view once those come in that's a really good opportunity to, to, to speak to Waitman speak to um, uh, speak to flagship as well you know we can help with those things and then next you've got the upper uh, the, the traffic commissioner so driver conduct hearing preliminary and PIs are sort of the key key ones there what's the key difference for uh, transport managers who have not been subject to a prelim or a public inquiry what's the key differences between those two things well I think the preliminary hearing is kind of the traffic commissioner's first opportunity to ask about what's going on and we do find that it's much more of a question and answer process um, whereas the public inquiry is as it as it says on the tin, a public inquiry and everything is looked at. So, you know, the traffic commissioner will be asking for all your records and we often find that that companies will get called to a public inquiry for one reason and then we get the records and we realise a few more things could be improved and that's where, you know, getting legal advice for those kind of things is vital because as much as you may think the business is running really compliantly and everything's going fine, when you need to present those documents and actually, oh, the brake tests are not laden and, oh, um, we're not really reviewing anything and, you know, we're just following the process, which we do often ha- we do often find happens and complacency is a really big thing, I think, in the industry because people know what they know and they like what they like. So the, the main differences are the preliminary hearings much more kind of initial conversations, investigations to see if the, the main issue at hand can be kind of closed down by that first hearing. If you're at the public inquiry, there's going to be a lot more in-depth conversation, um, a lot more in-depth documents to be reviewed and provided, um, and obviously then um, whatever comes out of that will be put on the record as well. So it's really important that we establish your position and we know where we're going with the public inquiry. Mm, And just to add to that, I always describe a preliminary hearing as both the first and the last chance saloon to avoid a public inquiry because it's, the, the traffic commissioner doesn't want to be calling public inquiries if they don't have to. Exactly. Frankly, it takes up an awful lot of their time and resources. Yeah. And so if, there's, if, if the issues with an operator seem to be fairly limited, this is an opportunity for the operator to, to go satisfy the concerns and get the matter addressed and closed off at that hearing. The risk is, of course, if you go into that hearing ill-prepared or if you haven't quite... Uh, or, or as Sarah rightly points out, if you're preparing for that hearing and then 
your, you've other issues float to the surface that weren't originally on the radar, that's when there's the risk of it then escalating up to a full public inquiry where you've got the reputational damage, you've got the risk mm. of license sanction, you've got um, really very serious consequences. So uh, it's, it's uh, n never underestimate the significance of a preliminary hearing. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Really, really good advice there. Thank you. And I think um, certainly from the point you just made, Sarah, around complacency, which I think is a, a really useful term to avoid a lot of this stuff. Um, and that comes on to the fourth area, which is training. And, and essentially, that's very vital to reduce complacency. Um, obviously, you, you guys are offering some training solutions. Um, who would like to field that one? Yeah, Over okay, you, I'll take this one. So whilst we don't offer things like um, transfer manager or refresher courses or OLAC courses, which obviously flagship do, so they can offer you all your help with those and ensuring that you're, you're there and you're getting them done. We offer um, sort of something a bit a little bit different um, that gives you like the legal update so we do quarterly kind of boardroom briefs to the directors of companies because again when we get to hearings we often find that it'll be the transport manager and a large team of people that will manage the operation sometimes the directors are slightly more detached so you know offering that boardroom brief just gives them a really good oversight into what's going on in the transport arena at the moment and what they need to be looking at and the risks for their business um, we also offer more extensive training packages um, for like wider transport management teams um, and transport managers, things like that. We do in-house training videos as well. Um, but our main kind of, um, the most popular thing we've seen at the moment is our mock public inquiry. And I think that really eradicates any complacency. Um, we kind of get everyone in a room, we'll get a barrister to act as the traffic commissioner, um, Chris or I will be um, representing and we'll get the transport managers or members of the, um, the board or, or directors or anybody to act as the witnesses. And nothing um, kind of scares you more than being in that witness box, having the questions asked of you and having to provide those answers, you know, and having to provide answers that you would provide if you're in that situation at a real life public inquiry. And I think that really focuses the mind. It brings you back to the operation and making sure that you're happy that everything is as you would want it to be. Because if you have to sit there and give your evidence, you need to know that your operation's a good one or you're improving it in such a way that you would be happy to put your name to it. So, yeah. Fantastic. I think uh, I think that all sounds very useful and uh, I'm quite inspired by the idea of a mock public inquiry. So I think we maybe need to take a further chat. Do you, do you fancy being can... in the witness box? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I reckon. I reckon. I fancy Get some good cross-examination going. <laughs> um, I, think, I, I think the point that I want to add is that increasingly I've become uh, very aware over time that actually transport managers are often very aware of the level of compliance that's needed mm -hmm. um, but actually increasingly directors of companies are often a little bit detached and removed from that and the value of keeping them in the loop and I think if I do have a challenge to any transport and fleet managers listening to this is that actually would your directors benefit from something like that because what, what I do find genuinely is that TMs are often very frustrated at the lack of interaction or um, engagement from directors because directors have a broad, very broad range of responsibilities and actually a lot of their challenges will be people related and um, they, in, in their opinion, if they've employed a transport manager, they're listed on the licence, essentially 
in a lot of them will see it that they've ticked a box or yeah. that they've got that level of compliance because they've got a competent person in place when in reality it's really important to keep them well informed and um, I think that transport managers I, I'm going to just ask an open question there and that is is are you good enough at communicating with your directors around the expectations and what you're doing and why you're doing it and keeping them in the loop for changes and uh, if there's any any opportunity for improvement I think uh, I think Waitman's would be a great solution to get in and speak to your uh, directors for sure so that leads me on to the final final thing then so the fifth area is around tech solutions tell me a bit more about what tech solutions you guys have got on the table yeah well well this is this is really um, I think we're quite unique in this area actually because we we've got a very substantial product and innovation team internal to Waitman's and they're always uh, they're always they're always looking for good ideas um, and about a year and a bit ago it struck me that I was representing lots and lots of operators at public inquiries and very often what would happen is you'd you'd go in uh, thinking you were dealing with issues A, B and C and then you, you got by the as you're preparing the case and as you're actually starting to get a sight of your clients records and you're you're putting the bundle together you realize that oh dear piece where actually we've got we've got problems with maintenance records we've got safety inspections not being signed off we've got driver detectable defects on safety inspections that aren't uh, that aren't uh, having a corresponding defect report we've got all sorts of things like this and then we suddenly find that the here the case has become 10 times more complicated but then significantly the directors finding out about this for the first time a couple of weeks out of the hearing it creates a lot of tension between the transport managers and the directors and the transport managers to be fair are often in a difficult position because they're trying to look after a fleet but but um, there isn't always an easy tool out there that's going to support them so we got our heads together and we, we basically designed a product called transport manager comply which is uh, which is which effectively a, a software solution which is supports transport managers in doing that ongoing um, inspections and uh, quality control piece of their maintenance records when they come back from the garage before vehicles go out on on the road it makes sure that they know exactly what the guidance is to check on each point it lists a cascading lists of questions so that nothing can be missed if there are any issues it has uh, the ability for you to input what you've identified what you've done about it that creates your audit trail for dvsa that then produces a report back internally so that there's oversight of what's going on uh, at the director level and you end up with an outcome where where, where if a desk-based assessment happens, you've got excellent evidence of the ongoing uh, continuous and effective control and monitoring of your maintenance. You've, transport managers are being supported and knowing exactly what they need to be doing every, and what they need to be checking. Directors can see any red flags light up like a Christmas tree very quickly so they can be closed off very quickly and easily. And better still, you've then got the data you need to say, well, actually, we've identified that our problems lie with this maintenance provider over here to do with maybe our wheel retalk. So let's go have a conversation about that. Let's put in place a service level agreement and let's stamp out that risk. And all of that pushes us towards the position where we don't end up at a public inquiry because that ongoing support's happening. So it's it's it's, um, it's really a, a great success. We've got clients who really, really value it. Um, and it's, it's all part, I mean, it's the first step on our journey to providing those solutions, those compliance solutions to our clients so that we're not talking about public inquiries, we're, we're addressing yeah. issues at source. Yeah, and it's gone down really well, hasn't it? Everyone we've spoken to has understood the benefits and, and can see how it can help them moving forward. And I think that's something that people have not really considered before, putting everything in one place to be able to review mm. it and, and properly ensure you have that oversight. So 
Fantastic, that sounds like a wonderful solution. So um, if people were interested to find out more about Comply, Transport Manager Comply, how, how, would, they, how would they do that? Well, the best, best thing to do is drop me an email. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, we've got, we've got a webpage, we've got a video about it, um, but uh, get, get in touch with myself or, or Sarah, yeah. and uh, we'd, uh, we, we, can, we can tell you all about it, show you, give you a demo. Fantastic. Thank you very much, both of you. And uh, thanks for joining me on the podcast. Uh, it's been a really interesting insight into uh, the, the services that you guys offer as a regulatory team at Waitmans. And um, I'm really delighted that you've taken the time out to join me on the podcast. And I'm really looking forward to the next couple of episodes that were coming up. Um, we're going to be looking at, uh, at the learnings from 2023 and a bit of a look back at some of the things that happened there. And then the third podcast is around looking forward into 2024. So stay tuned, listeners. Thank Thanks for coming along. Thanks for listening. I hope you've enjoyed it. Please feel free to leave me any feedback in the comments and uh, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss the next one. Thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, please share with your friends and colleagues too. Join us for free on Facebook with the Fleet Geeks community for transport and fleet managers. Fleet Geeks offers ongoing professional development, networking and mentoring too. So get in touch with me, Pete Rushmer, on any social media platform to find out more.